Would you pray with me before we start? Lord, as we continue looking at this wonderful story inspired by you, we pray that you might help us to see you in this passage, that you would touch our hearts by uh, who you are and all that you've done for us with that truth. And Lord, we pray that you might empower me by your spirit to speak clearly and faithfully, helpfully, and that you would change us to be more like yourself. I change our hearts. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. First slide up, please, guys. Uh, Bear Grylls is a famous TV survival expert, uh, ex-Special Forces soldier, and a climber of Mount Everest. He says in one of his books, the one there, when the chips are down, what you really want from the people that you are with is that they are kind. He gives an example. When you get above 25,000 feet or 7,500 metres on a mountain, the temperature drops to minus 45. If you don't get a headache, the kind that grips your head like a nut in a pair of pliers, then you're not human. Part of this is the altitude and the dehydration that comes with thin air. So keeping hydrated is essential. The only way to get water is to melt ice. And at that height and temperature, melting enough snow and ice to drink can take hours. The good expedition member is the one who gives their buddies the first sip or the last swig of that precious water. In the extremes, it's the little things that stand out. And in Ruth chapter 2 today, we see many acts of kindness from someone. And not to his buddies, but to a foreigner, an unknown stranger. And I hope Boaz's kindness and remembering the Lord's kindness will stir us to kindness and to generosity too. We're looking at this wonderfully written short story called Ruth, which has been inspired by God to teach us about him, his provision, his plans, his purposes, not only in Naomi and Ruth's lives, but for his people in every age. It's written for us too. Remember from last week, Naomi moved from Bethlehem to Moab due to a famine, but there her husband and her two sons died. Ruth, her daughter-in-law, has committed herself to Naomi and to the Lord, and they've returned to Bethlehem, hearing that God has provided food for his people. Chapter 1 finished with Naomi asking the other women to call her Mara, bitter, for she feels very bitter and that the Lord is against her. But in God's providence, and remember that means God's purposeful sovereignty where he works all things for the good of his people. In God's providence, Naomi and Ruth arrive at the time of the barley harvest, chapter 1, verse 22. And this brings us to my first point today, providence. We see here God working in what some would call chance coincidences. But really, it's not chance. It's God's sovereignty at work as, his, as he is at work in the chance coincidences of our lives. Chapter 2, verse 1 gives us some background to the events that had come, telling us that a relative on Naomi's husband's side was Boaz. We're told that he was a man, a prominent man of noble character. The Hebrew word literally means mighty or strong. 
And depending on the context, it can apply to someone who's a strong warrior or strong in wealth or strong in character. And the context of the whole book tells us that Boaz is strong in wealth and character. He's a man of moral worth and material wealth. And we see Ruth's moral worth on display here too. We see her courage and commitment, her faith and integrity shined through here. She asked Naomi, will you let me go and glean in the fields and gather fallen grain behind someone with whom I find favour? Here, Ruth is keeping her promises in chapter, from chapter 1. Remember, she promised to stick with Naomi. And her love and commitment, it's seen here in her taking initiative to, to show kindness and care and provide for them both, her and her mother-in-law. Ruth's faith and her love is seen in action here. Faith and love seen in action. And that should be seen in our lives too. Ruth wants to go and glean behind the harvesters. Not a word we use lots, but to glean is to pick up the scraps, the, the leftover heads of grain the harvesters miss. Maybe Ruth has seen other poor people doing this in the fields, or maybe, I wondered, has she heard God's word in Deuteronomy which tells the Israelites to allow the poor to glean behind the harvesters? As we just heard read in Deuteronomy 4, Ruth is one of those resident aliens, not words we use, but means foreigners, immigrants. She's one of those and she hopes that some owner or farmer will show her favour, grace. This is gutsy faith here from a courageous immigrant. So with Naomi's permission, Ruth enters a field to gather behind the harvesters. And, and verse 3 says she happened to be in the portion of the field belonging to Boaz. Did she just get lucky? Or is God working behind the scenes? The original Hebrew language reads, and chance chanced. What's implied in this chance coincidence is actually divine providence. It is the writer's way of screaming out, see the sovereignty of God here. This is a divinely ordained and guided meeting where God is working out his good purposes for Naomi and for Ruth and for his people, unbeknownst to them at the time. So God's providence is seen in Ruth happening to go to Boaz's fields and then happening to meet a man of material wealth and moral worth. Which brings us to point two, our provision, provision by Boaz. So later in the day, Boaz rocks up to see how his harvesters are going and notice how he speaks to the workers in verse four, the, the Lord be with you. It's not empty religious talk. His relationship with the Lord, it is central to his life. Now, I'm not saying you need to go up to everyone at your workplace tomorrow and say, the Lord be with you, or God bless you. Maybe you could say that sometimes, one-on-one, -on -one, I don't know. But learning from Boaz, I ask, do you work with God's glory and grace on your mind? How are you going at work? in using your words to bless and build up others? 
Do you show your faith in your workplace, in your deeds and your words? Does anyone know you're Christian? Boaz asks who the new young woman is. And notice the servant's answer highlights her foreignness. She's a Moabite. But the servant also highlights that she sought permission to work and he highlights her long hard work. So he's highlighting her respectfulness and her diligence. You may recall the Proverbs 31 woman, the wife of noble character. That Proverbs 31 woman, she works hard with her hands. She takes initiative. She is good and generous and faithful in providing for others. I want to suggest to you that Ruth embodies the the Proverbs 31 woman. And interestingly, while in our Christian Bibles, the book of Ruth follows judges, as I mentioned last week, in many Hebrew Bibles, the book of Ruth follows Proverbs. It comes right after Proverbs 31. And so in Ruth chapter 2, a woman of noble character meets a man of noble character. And if you know how the story ends, you might call him Mr. Darcy or Mr. Wright. While speaking to a foreigner and a woman was culturally taboo then, we see it doesn't stop Boaz. He addresses in verse 8 this woman kindly. He asks her to stay and keep gathering in his field and stay close to his female servants. Literally, it's the word cling or cleave to them. He tells her that he's ordered the men not to touch her. That can cover everything from hit and hurt to sexually harass. He's stopping them, others, taking advantage of her. And in this time of judges, remember this time when people are doing whatever's right in their own eyes, whatever they want, Vulnerable people needed protecting. And that's what Boaz does. He provides for Ruth in this. As he does when inviting her to get water that the young men have prepared. She doesn't have to go off and find water elsewhere. So she won't lose time harvesting and she won't go thirsty either. It's really kind. Deuteronomy chapter 10 says of the Lord, He executes justice for the fatherless, the widow, and loves the resident alien, remember, immigrant, giving him food and clothing. You also are to love the resident alien. Since you were resident aliens in the land of Egypt, you are to fear the Lord your God and worship him. Boaz loves Ruth like God loves Ruth. And in Deuteronomy 24, remember, owners, farmers, harvesters are to allow the foreigners and the poor to glean the scraps from their fields. And so we see Boaz doing this. But not only is Boaz doing what God commanded, he goes above and beyond in his kindness and generosity. Boaz is being like God. Boaz is even, may I say, being like the Lord Jesus, who was also kind to foreigners. Think of him healing the centurion's servant, Luke 7. Think of his conversation with the Samaritan woman at the well, foreigner and a woman, John 4. Ruth, in verse 10, she's blown away by, she's humbled by Boaz's, Boaz's 
extraordinary, generous, kind provision for her, a foreigner. And, and yes, Ruth's kindness and costly commitment to Naomi is also driving his responses. And he hopes and prays, verse 12, that the Lord God of Israel will reward her, provide for her, make good come to her. For as Boaz says, Ruth's not only come with Naomi, she's come to the Lord God and under his wings for protection. Ruth has trusted in the Lord for refuge, for protection and provision. And Psalm 36 speaks about this. Psalm 36 says, it speaks of people taking refuge in the shadow of the Lord's wings, like a mother bird protecting her chicks. In Matthew 23, Jesus says of Jerusalem, how often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. I ask, have you come to Christ? And under his metaphorical wings. Are you willing to come to Christ for refuge and for rest and for life? Protection, provision, not only in this life, but in the next. Have you come to Jesus in faith and trusted in him for refuge? You won't find it anywhere else. In verse 13 and following, Ruth is again amazed by Boaz's kindness and grace. She's someone who has no status, no rights. She's not even his servant. But see how... Boaz's blessing and provision keeps going. Look at it. He sits with her. He eats with her. Huge things that communicate welcome in that culture. He provides food for her, blessing and privileges and plenty. I mean, she's given more roasted grain than she can eat. She's even told that she can get grain from the harvested bundles. It's phenomenal. And she takes home about 20 kilos of grain. It highlights Boaz's compassion and kindness, his grace and generosity. He's treating her like a member of the family. Family looks after family. Boaz's abundance and plenty and over-the-top provision, it is remarkable. It is meant to strike us. Again, his kindness points us to the Lord's kindness and grace. Boaz is like a shadow of Christ, a signpost pointing us to Christ. Remember, he fed over 5,000 people with five loaves and two fish, and everyone had their fill. How many basketfuls were left over? Twelve. The Lord provides for our material needs too. We'll come back to that shortly. But more than Jesus feeding the 5,000 plus, he, he is the bread of life. He says in John 6, no one who comes to him will ever be hungry. No one who believes in him will ever be thirsty. He goes on to say that eternal life comes through Jesus. Our spiritual hunger, our spiritual thirst gets satisfied by Jesus. He's the one who can give us, does give us life to the full or life abundantly. And yes, that 
that is fully to be experienced at the resurrection. But it still is, still is fulfilling life now, in relationship with God now. And Jesus died to give us this life. And he says in John 6, whoever comes to him, he will not, he will never cast out. What loving kindness that is. What generosity. I hope in Boaz you'll see something of the Lord. Ruth heads home. She gives Naomi her leftovers. No doubt Naomi's amazed by the pile of grain and, and is keen for an explanation. Look at verse 19. Where'd you gather barley today? Where did you work? May the Lord bless this man, the man who noticed you. Which brings us to my final point, the Lord's blessing. Naomi really wants to know who blessed Ruth. And as soon as Boaz is named, she responds in joy. And look at how she begins to see God's hands at work in these events. Her overwhelming grief and bitterness begins here to be replaced with thankfulness. She, she starts to see God's kindness and, and that there is hope. God is showing kindness, verse 20, to Ruth and to Naomi and her family in bringing Ruth and Boaz's paths to intersect. And that word kindness is that word faithful love, loving kindness that we looked at last week. Naomi didn't see God's kindness beforehand. Sometimes it takes time to see that, doesn't it? And Boaz's protection and provision, it gives her hope. Because remember, as in verse, we read in verse 1, Boaz is that close relative of her husband Elimelech. She calls him, Boaz, a family redeemer, a, a kinsman redeemer. And we'll look at this more next week in chapter 3. But Deuteronomy 25 speaks of a, a childless woman whose husband dies marrying her husband's brother. So children can be raised up for the deceased. Now I know the wives here may not relish the thought of marrying their brother-in-law if your husband dies. But the point is, the childless widow marries an in-law so children can be raised up. Children, so her, so her husband's line can continue through the provision of children. Also, Leviticus 25, it speaks of a widow having her brother-in-law buy or redeem the family lands to keep it in the family, the husband's family. This marrying of your brother-in-law is called leveret marriage. And that's because the word levia means husband's brother in Latin. And that word the brother could actually also refer to a cousin, an uncle, a close relative. Remember, we've been told Boaz is a close relative of Elimelech. So will Boaz be the one who rescues her and Naomi from their poverty and childlessness? to wait and see. In Ruth 2.21, we see Ruth being referred to as the Moabite Tess. Will her nationality, will her foreignness define her? Exclude her? Yes, in Deuteronomy 23, it speaks of descendants of Moabites being excluded from the temple to the 10th generation. 
But I don't want to suggest to you that Ruth is in a different category because she has converted. She's turned to the true God, highlighting her forgiveness and this trajectory of inclusion, true inclusion into the people of God. Ruth now tells Naomi she's been encouraged to stay with Boaz's men and stick close to his female servants to the end of the barley harvest, which Naomi supports and Ruth does, verse 23. That likely meant six to seven weeks of gleaning, which at this rate, at this one day's rate, it would likely provide food for these two women for months, if not a whole year. Naomi clearly sees Boaz's provision as the Lord's provision. And Naomi, remember, asked the Lord to bless him, verse 20. If you're blessed, it includes having your needs met, even abundantly. It means receiving God's grace and favour. Author uh, Nancy Guthrie, she says in her wonderful book, I'm Praying for You, I'm only partway through it, she says in regard to the ironic blessing from number six, she says God's blessing is not merely getting what we deem to be good things from God. The essence of blessing is getting more of God. When we ask God to bless the person we're praying for, we're asking God to make him deeply content in God. We're praying that he or she finds his home so securely in God that adverse circumstances cannot shake him. We're praying that he will sense God's smile on his life. The face of God is radiant towards those who are his Because he sees us not for who we are on our own, but for who we are in Christ. To ask God to bless the person we're praying for is to pray that they will live each day in peace, knowing that God is not stingy with his grace and goodness. He will keep us safe in his care. Those words, that reality of, dear to my heart, it's actually why I often finish my emails with the words God bless or a conversation with God bless. And I ask, hasn't God blessed us? Philippians 4 verse 19 says, God will meet all your needs in Christ Jesus. Yes, it was spoken first to the Philippians. Still convinced it's true for us. Even if what I want or what I think I need doesn't always match up with what I really need. I need to remember that. In Matthew 6, we're told that our Father knows that we need food and drink and clothing. And Hasn't God blessed us with food and clean water and clothing? And for most of us, he's blessed us with employment and income or savings or money to pay the bills, even when it's tight. And we're blessed by other brothers and sisters in Christ here who love the Lord and one another. And I hope you've experienced that. And for some of you, especially who don't have blood relatives in Australia, I thank God that this church has truly been your family. On top of this, we are blessed in Christ with every spiritual blessing. Ephesians 1.3 We've been blessed as believers with forgiveness, adoption as God's children. We have God's spirit always with us, working in us. We are blessed abundantly in Christ. And 
the great majority of us in this country are blessed materially too. And God wants us to respond by blessing others. The Lord blessed Boaz. He blessed Ruth and Naomi. And following his example, we are to bless others with our words and our deeds. Do you see that as God is kind, Boaz is kind, and we are to be kind. I don't know what your financial circumstances are like at the moment. Maybe things are really tight. Maybe you are struggling to just cover the cost of living for you or your family or pay off your mortgage. Maybe you're doing okay financially, maybe well. Usually we don't see ourselves as rich. But I know that when I've traveled to Africa and to Asia and I see how the majority of people live, I know we're rich in comparison. And I ask, do you agree? Most of us have money to buy some newer, better, bigger things that are more about enjoyment or comfort than keeping us alive. My point is God wants us to be generous and willing to share. And that's what 1 Timothy chapter 6 tells us, that we should do what is good. Look at verse 18 there, be rich in good works, be generous and willing to share. As we're able, we are to be generous to others, generous with our money, with our resources, even if it means having people into your home. We're to be generous with our forgiveness, our our relationships, our our time, our love. We're to be generous with our welcoming of others as God is. That means talking to the newcomer at church or the new neighbour that's moved in next door or near to you. That, that love, that kindness, that welcome, the inclusion, it should be seen in our, in our lives, in our families and in our church family. We are to be kind. Kind to those that we encounter, those that we have relationships with. And yes, that includes being kind to our spouse, our family, our friends. Does that word describe how you relate to others? So be kind at school at uni, at work, and we should be kind to the foreigner, the, the refugee, the, the immigrants, the person who's different, may not speak much English. What does it look like for you? The Bundy Refugee Action Crew have given us an example of this this year, as have our deacons at Bundy who've supported others, particularly our Iranian brothers and sisters in need over years or giving to the Bundy Hardship Fund it goes to support people in material need or maybe maybe the Lord just wants you to hang in there in caring for your child with special needs your aging spouse your aging parents or grandparents that family member for you maybe the application is not that you do more but that you just continue to show kindness. Continue to show the kindness you show now. Pray that God gives you grace to hang in there.
How does God want you to show kindness and generosity to others in need? And even if you're a teenager, I ask, how does this, what does it look like for you to be generous and willing to share, to be kind? Parents, I ask, how are we going at teaching this and modeling this to our children? A generosity that comes from the heart because God has been so generous to us. I opened with Bear Grylls. I'm going to close with a quote from him. He's not only a survival expert and climber, he's a Christian. He says in his book, A Survival Guide for Life, learn to control the money rather than let the money control you. He encourages generosity in our time, talents and spirits. He says, clinging on too tight to belongings Talents, resources only drains people of joy. I'd agree. He says, I'm not telling you there's only one way to give your money or what percentage to give or what charities are best. And one thing is for certain, giving money away doesn't get us to heaven. Heaven is a gift that was bought for us at a price greater than any of us can afford. But giving money away is a definite byproduct of having received that gift. Regardless of how you give or how much, give to friends who do amazing jobs but earn very little. Give to charities that move you. Give to those the world overlooks. I say amen to that. Boaz was generous and kind to Ruth and Naomi. The Lord providentially provides for Ruth and Naomi through Boaz. And as the Lord provides for us, he wants us to be generous to others in need too. If you know that the Lord has generously blessed you, how will you respond? Let's pray. Father God, we want to thank and praise you for every spiritual blessing we have in Christ. It was in your kindness and love that you sent your only son to redeem us from sin and wickedness, our sinful selves. And Lord, we thank you for your daily material provisions for us. I know some of us are going through difficult material circumstances at the moment. We pray you would meet them in your need and help them to trust you. And God, we pray that however much money we have or don't have, that you would give us generous hearts, that overflowing kindness, generosity, sharing and love to those around us. God, we pray that you might make us more like Jesus. God, we pray that you might make our families generous, kind families. Us generous, kind to one another as a church, even welcoming the newcomer and the foreigner Lord, we pray that you might make us salt and light, generous and kind in our workplaces, our schools and everywhere. God, please glorify yourself by the way we live and work and relate. Thank you that Boaz's life and generosity and kindness points us to Jesus. May we follow him and grow more like him. We ask, Father, in his name. Amen.